Chapter Three of Pope Adrian the Fourth: An Historical Sketch by Richard Raby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: Such were the depraved spirits, and such the ignoble tyranny which oppressed the Holy See on the demise of Eugenius the Third. An oppression which, if its violence seemed to slumber during the short career of Anastasius the Fourth whose patriarchal age and paternal goodness to the poor in a famine which desolated the country under his pontificate commanded respect and won all hearts yet woke up again with fresh vigour on the accession of his successor the english pope adrian the fourth adrian however was as well by nature as by the experience of his past life a character not likely to be daunted by the threatening prospect before him and behaved with such courage and decision as for the time to confound his rebellious subjects and reduce them to obedience for when on his assumption of the tiara the senate which by this time seems to have arrived at the last pitch of insolence under the training of arnold of brescia made a formal proposition to the new pope to renounce once for all his right to the government of the state he no sooner heard it than he sternly rejected it and drove the deputation through whom it came with ignominy out of his presence hereupon the mob worked upon by the orators and other agents of the republic flew to arms and led by arnold of brescia himself who had been fetched out of the country on purpose gave in to every disorder and among other excesses murdered cardinal gerard a well-known adherent of the pope as he was passing along the via sacra to an audience adrian declared this atrocity tatamont to high treason and at once resolved to punish it by striking a blow such as till his time had not been struck at rome at all this was to lay the city under an interdict no calamity in the middle ages was more dreaded more cruelly felt by society than an interdict this naturally arose out of that profound religious faith which in those times pervaded all classes of men alike in the midst of the greatest crimes and disorders the interdict which pope adrian thus fulminated against rome lasted from palm sunday till monday thursday it will not be uninteresting here to briefly describe an interdict it was usually announced at midnight by the funeral toll of the church bells whereupon the entire clergy might presently be seen issuing forth in silent procession by torchlight to put up a last prayer of deprecation before the altars for the guilty community then the consecrated bread that remained over was burnt the crucifixes and other sacred images were veiled up the relics of the saints carried down into the crypts every memento of holy cheerfulness and peace was withdrawn from view lastly a papal legate ascended the steps of the high altar arrayed in penitential vestment and formally proclaimed the interdict from that moment divine service ceased in all the churches their doors were locked up and only in the bare porch might the priest dressed in mourning exhort his flock to repentance rites in their nature joyful which could not be dispensed with were invested in sorrowful attributes so that baptism could only be administered in secret and marriage celebrated before a tomb instead of an altar 
the administration of confession and communion was forbidden to the dying man alone might the viaticum which the priest had first consecrated in the gloom and solitude of the morning dawn be given but extreme unction and burial in holy ground were denied him moreover the interdict as may naturally be supposed seriously affected the worldly as well as religious cares of society so that trade suffered and even the proprieties of men's personal appearance fell into neglect at first the romans seemed as if they would not flinch under the novel and terrible blow dealt at them but this was a passing bravado they soon began to feel uneasy and then horrified at the sensation of the divine offices and the refusal of the sacraments in holy week a season of all others when the most lukewarm piety bestirs itself the consequence was that they assembled tumultuously before the capitol where the senate was sitting and demanded that measures should directly be taken to bring about such an arrangement with the pope as would relieve the city from the interdict negotiations were accordingly entered upon by that body with adrian at viterbo whither he had retired to await the issue of events to the overtures made he answered that he was ready to come into them provided the senate would first banish arnold of brescia out of rome abolish the republic and together with the citizens return to their duty after some hesitation and some attempts to procure a modification of such sweeping terms attempts which the inflexibility of the pope entirely frustrated those terms were accepted on their completion adrian revoked the interdict held his triumphant entry into rome and celebrated in the church of st john lateran with great pomp and jubilee his coronation in the meantime frederick barbarossa who had succeeded his uncle conrad the third on the german throne two years before and had lately undertaken his first expedition into italy to restore his fallen power in that country and suppress its newly roused spirit of freedom was advancing flushed with his conquest of tortona and his coronation as king of lombardy at pavia with his army towards rome where he proposed to give the last finish to his brilliant successes by receiving the crown of empire from the pope frederick and adrian had both sent forward ambassadors to each other who crossed on the road without knowing it the king to treat about the imperial crown the pope to sound the intention of a visitor who was approaching in such warlike array the papal envoys encountered frederick at st carico in tuscany and on being told that he meant nothing hostile to the rights of the church but on the contrary that he was ready to act as her champion and therefore came simply to ask the imperial crown they promised the pope's acquiescence in his views provided among other services required of him he would procure the delivery of arnold of brescia into the hands of justice this was all the more insisted upon as that indefatigable demagogue having after his banishment obtained the protection of certain counts of the campagna still continued to exercise from his place of refuge the most pernicious influence over the popular mind in rome 
frederick readily undertook to do a service which agreed as well with his personal feeling as with his policy for arnold of brescia on the election of the duke of Swabia to the german throne had written him a letter inviting him to come and receive the imperial crown from the senate in contempt of the pope but couched in such arrogant and fanatical terms as highly to incense the king who refused to listen to it whereupon arnold aggravated his offence by announcing that he would persuade the romans to choose an emperor of their own and throw up their allegiance to foreign ones the plan which frederick took to seize arnold was first of all to send a body of troops to waylay and capture one of the chiefs of the lawless counts of the campagna who had been mainly instrumental in liberating the arch-republican out of the hands of the papal officers into which he had shortly fallen before at auriculum and then to threaten the speedy execution of the prisoner unless arnold were given up as a ransom this plan succeeded the other companion counts frightened at the resolute conduct of frederick and trembling at the consequences of his further anger if the ransom demanded were not given soon brought their client whose revolutionary doctrines so much promoted those disorders by which they thrived to the feet of the king and received back their brother in exchange arnold was forthwith remanded in chains to rome there to await the arrival of frederick who intended to have the culprit tried before his own tribunal but peter the prefect of rome and commandant of the castle of st angelo a devoted servant of the pope into whose custody arnold was delivered fearful lest his prisoner should escape by means of a popular riot as he had done once before in the same circumstances resolved to execute him on his own account and without waiting for further instructions either from frederick or adrian but secretly abetted by several cardinals on the spot had the unhappy man led out early on the morning of the eighteenth of june eleven fifty five before the popular or people's gate where he was fastened to a cross projecting from the midst of a pile of faggots which being fired soon enveloped their victim in the flames his cries and the tumult of the execution roused the citizens dwelling hard by from their beds who presently ran up lamenting and furious to the rescue but in vain as they were thrust back on all sides by the soldiers who kept the ground nevertheless such was the infatuated reverence which the people manifested for their late tribune that it was found expedient after his execution to throw his ashes into the tiber to prevent them being enshrined as holy relics arnold of brescia was about fifty years old when he thus met his fate however shocking such cruel execution as he suffered may be to the more enlightened benevolence or more sensual refinement of the present day yet from the point of view of the middle ages that the visible punishment of a crime should be commensurate with and as it were symbolize its moral enormity there can be no doubt but that in the present case the criminal received only what he deserved few men ever did worse mischief to society in their day than arnold of brescia 
private ambition was his ruling passion and his hopes of gratifying it were set on the realization of dreams and fancies engendered of an unbridled imagination which an admixture of mysticism further distempered a false scandal which he took at the discrepancy between the lives and doctrines of the clergy in his time widely corrupted heightened by his pharisaical pride which a bodily temperament naturally disinclined to sensual excess inflated all the more as by means of such bodily temperament he was enabled with so little merit of his own to keep up an exterior severity of demeanour closely resembling a holy asceticism led him at last to confound the abuse of religion with religion itself and under the further influence of his insatiable thirst for notoriety to broach schismatical views and then a plan of ecclesiastical as well as political reform for the world of which he persuaded himself he was marked out to be the apostle that reform as we have seen was simply the return of society politically under the republican institutions of pagan rome and spiritually under the religious government of the apostolic ages a fanatic of this description endowed in an extraordinary manner with eloquence to announce his views and with boldness and energy to pursue the career of carrying them out as was arnold of Brescia's case may well be imagined to have seduced the multitude at all times giddy but in his day oppressed and shocked by many gross abuses in the way he did and so to have elicited the stern hostility of the constituted authorities in church and state who naturally perceiving in the progress of such a man only confusion worse confounded and ruin to the temporal and eternal interests of society were in duty bound to eradicate the evil before it was too late and in doing so not to shun harsh means where gentle ones failed but if words proved fruitless to use the sword the obstinacy the infatuated obstinacy of arnold of brescia in the face of so many warnings as from time to time were given to him plainly proved that he was incorrigible and that therefore as it was no more possible for society to prosper as it should do while he continued to infect it with his wild theories than for the bodily health to nourish while eaten into by a cancer to extirpate him like it was the only course left a course which thus became morally as much a duty in his case as it would physically become so in that End of chapter 3